Good evening. Welcome to what is normally called mining the riches of the Parsha, but I propose to do something a little different tonight and for the next couple of weeks, and I would greatly appreciate your feedback on taking this approach. Tonight is Thursday night, September 23rd, 2021. Happy Chol HaMoed Sukkos. It is wonderful to be with you, and I'm very grateful to every one of you who is joining tonight. We had the opportunity to study together, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Thank you for being here. I want to start by showing a one-minute video. Now, the video is narrated by Sivan Rahav Meir, and it's narrated in Hebrew. So, if you understand, you'll follow it along. And if you do not understand, at the end of the video, I will translate it. This video was made in Israel late in the afternoon on Monday, September 6th, just a few hours before the start of Rosh Hashanah. That was a video taken four hours before Rosh Hashanah started. As you know, when Rosh Hashanah started, the new year, 5782, is a Shemitah year, a sabbatical year. And part of that is that farmers do not plant their fields. They do not work their fields the way they normally would. And they do not harvest their fields in the way they normally would, plus a lot of other details. So this was a gathering of Jews who were farmers. And they gathered in the hours before the Shemitah year began to separate themselves from working their fields. And as you see in the video, they are making this separation with music and with dancing and with words of Torah to celebrate the fact that they are able to fulfill this mitzvah in Israel, preparing for a year of other activities and interests instead of farming, a more spiritual year, a more introspective year, a year with more time with their family. And that should be true for all of us. And so what you see in that video is this group of people who are saying Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom to the earth, 
not for the week, but for the year. Shabbat Shalom. We're putting it away. We're setting it aside. And we're not going to be working in our fields this year. Shemitah is a nexus of many mitzvos, many layers of meaning, and many applications, practical applications and intellectual applications. Shemitah is ritual, social, ethical, philosophical, theological, and it includes agriculture, economics, social policy, psychology, spirituality, and renewal, both personal and communal. Shemitah is an incredibly detailed and monumentally sweeping in scope. Understanding and appreciating Shemitah will change your life. So I hope over the next few Thursday nights to share different aspects of Shemitah, the sabbatical year, in order for us to be able to benefit as much as we can from this revolutionary, remarkable Torah institution. Tonight, I want to share an introduction, a necessary preamble before discussing Shemitah, and that is, what is our relationship to the earth? What is our connection and relationship to the environment? Now, our understanding of this is so fundamental, it is literally expressed in the first words of the Torah. Bereshis bara Elohim es hashamayim in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Heaven and earth is made by God. It's created by God. And the famous verse in Tehillim emphasizes that by using the words lahashem ha'aretzum loa. To God belongs the earth and its fullness, meaning everything in the physical world, in the physical universe, belongs to God because God created it. It is owned by God. And that is repeated by us in our prayers every day, three times a day. The way that we describe God in the first paragraph of the Amidah, the Konehakol, God is one who owns everything. That's our definition of God. Then, 
after that first verse in Bereshus that establishes God created and owns the entire universe, very near the beginning of the Torah, there are two verses, one in chapter 1 and the other in chapter 2, that provide the balance for the picture of where we humans fit into that. The first Pusik. When God had created Adam and Eve, the first human beings, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the world, and develop it, subdue it, control it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the skies and all of the animals. You're in charge, human beings. God says to man, I'm putting into your charge all the plants on the whole world, all the trees, all the fruits. They're for you to develop and enjoy. And all the animals that walk on the land and all of the plants, it's all created for you. Now that verse must be read together with and understood alongside the next Pusik. And this is a Pusik in chapter 2 of Bereshus. And God took man, human beings, Adam and Eve, and placed him in the Garden of Eden. To work it and to guard it, to protect it. So listen, please, to an amazing medrash that puts these two psukim, these two verses, into perspective with each other. This is a medrash from the rabbi's commentary to Koheles, the book of Ecclesiastes, which, by the way, we read in the synagogue this coming Shabbos, Chol HaMoed Sukkos. The Medrash says as follows, When God created the first human being, God took Adam and Eve on a tour of the Garden of Eden to show them all of the trees that God had created, all of the plants, everything that God had created in the Garden of Eden. 
and God said to man, See how beautiful and pleasing all of my creations are. The plants, the trees, the fruits, the vegetables, the animals, the birds, the fish, everything that I created. God says to Adam, see how beautiful it is. See how pleasing it is. And everything that I created, God says, I created it for you. It's all for you. Be careful. Don't mess up my world. Don't destroy my world that I created for you. Because if you mess this up, God says to man, Ain me shiyasakin acharecha. There's no one who's going to come along and fix it for you. It's your responsibility. Vikir shuha. Man is given the responsibility and the opportunity to subdue, to develop, to make use of the entire world. La'avda ulashamra, to work it and to guard it, to protect it. And there are many, many passages in the Torah that elaborate on and explicate the details of this balance between v'chiv shua and la'avda for example, later in the Torah, the fifth book of the Torah in Devarim, the Parsha of Shoftim, the Torah says as follows, Ki el ir yamim rabim If it shall happen that you will decide to go to war against another people, another nation, for whatever reason, and you lay a siege around the city that you're trying to conquer. So, of course, it becomes a war of attrition to see who will last longest. Lo sashchis es eitza lindochalav garzen. Do not cut down a tree in order to retain your strength against your enemy. Because you need trees to be able to eat from them. You should not cut down a tree. This is a mitzvah, a prohibition. It's known as Baal Tashchis from the word Lo Sashchis. Do not destroy, 
Bal Tashchis means a prohibition against destroying. Listen, please, to the comment of Rabbi Samson Rafal Hirsch, who is incorporating within his comments the understanding and opinion of our rabbis in the Talmud as codified in the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law and Jewish Law. Says Rav Hirsch, but this prohibition of purposeless destruction of fruit trees around a besieged city is only to be taken as an example of general wastefulness. And by the way, this example is an example during war. It's an example in a situation of an emergency. Don't cut down a tree unnecessarily. It's an example. Under the concept Baltashkis, the purposeless destruction of anything at all is taken to be forgiven, is taken to be forbidden. So that the Baltashkis of our text becomes the most comprehensive warning to human beings not to misuse the position which God has given them as masters of the world and its matter. Not to misuse it for capricious, passionate, or merely thoughtless, wasteful destruction of anything on earth. Only for wise use has God laid the world at our feet when he said to man, subdue the world and have dominion over it. V'kivshua, subdue the world and have dominion over it, but you're limited. Only what you need, only as much as you need. You're not allowed to waste anything. You're not allowed to take more than you need. You're not allowed to cause the wasteful destruction of anything. Jewish law places many limits on our usage of the earth and everything in it in recognition of our role as stewards of God's world, not as absolute owners. God is the owner. We are the steward. We get to use it. We get to develop it. But we also have the responsibility to protect it, to guard it. And this principle of baltashkis, of wasting something, is not based on the impact it has on someone else. It's not saying, I'm not allowed to waste something of yours because it's like some form of stealing from you. Rather, improper use, wasteful use, means it's not covered by Lishamra. I'm not doing my job of protecting God's world. In fact, Jewish law codifies even if the object in question is ownerless. Even if it's mine. 
I'm not allowed to waste it. Just to give one example, one of the reasons that before we eat or drink any food in the world, we make a bracha, we say a blessing. If we were to eat a food or drink from anything in this world without saying a bracha, we would be stealing from God. It's not ours. It doesn't belong to us. When I say a bracha, a blessing, and I recognize God is the sovereign, God is the actual owner, and I'm asking permission to make useful use of something in this world, then it's not stealing. Then it's not wasting. This applies to everything in the world. Wasting resources. Wasting water. Wasting electricity. Not properly insulating my home so that I'm wasting the energy used to heat it or to cool it. If I'm not involved in recycling to the extent that I should be. All of these are examples of baltashkis. They are prohibited according to Jewish law. Allow me to share another mitzvah. Another prohibition in the Torah. There's a prohibition in the Torah known as oso ve'espino. The Torah says we are allowed to take the lives of animals, kosher animals, in a way that allows us to be able to eat them. That is permitted. That's not called baltashkis. That is for a necessary, a needed human purpose. But even when I do that, it is not permitted to shecht, to slaughter an animal and its young on the same day. Oso vespino. If I shecht uh, a mother chick, chicken, I'm not allowed to shecht the baby chick on the same day. So too with an animal, etc. Why not? I mean, if I'm allowed to shecht an animal in order to eat it, so what does it matter if the animals are related to each other? I mean, you know, that's, that's what happens to chickens. So the Ramban Nachmanides says, well, because it's, uh, there's a, a cruelty to it. There's a lack of sensitivity to take the mother and then to shech the baby at the same time. It's, it's a lack of sensitivity. It's just a refined person, a person who's caring, a person who's compassionate would not do such a thing. Okay, that's the Ramban. The Ramban gives a second answer. The Ramban says, to shecht, to slaughter the mother and the young at the same time means that that mother, that is the end of her line. She will never be able to reproduce. It is in a miniature form as if 
you are eradicating a species. Now, of course, there are other chickens. It's not an entire species, but eradicating a line within a species. And we are required to make sure that we do not cause that kind of destruction in the animal world or the bird world. We're not allowed to do that. In other words, the limitation that is imposed by the requirement, la'avda ulashamra, we are responsible to guard and protect this world, applies to every aspect of nature. It applies to resources, it applies to plants, to trees, to animals, to birds, to fish, to everything. This is a comprehensive approach to life. Let me share another mitzvah, going in somewhat of a different direction. And this is a mitzvah, an obligation in the Torah that is not so well known. Maybe you will be surprised that this is the subject of a mitzvah. In other words, if we simply think of a mitzvah as a good deed, and that's not a very precise understanding of what a mitzvah is, we may be surprised that a mitzvah will encompass this behavior. This is a mitzvah in the book of Bamidbar, the fourth book of the Torah, the Parsha of Masai. God commanded Moshe to tell the Jewish people while they were camped on the eastern bank of the Jordan River about to enter the land of Israel. You're about to go into the land of Israel. Let's review all these laws. Let's make sure you know how you are supposed to act when you get into the land of Israel. Lots and lots of obligations and commandments and mitzvot that will apply when you come into the land of Israel. Here's one of them. You should set up cities for the Levites, the Levium, 42 cities spread out through the land of Israel. And when you set up these cities, they must have a migrash, which means an open area around the city that is left untouched, no development. And beyond that open area is another wider area for agriculture. So there is a mitzvah of how to plan a city. And cities in Israel were required to be planned as circles so that you had a living area, a city, and it was surrounded by an open area, and that was surrounded by a larger agricultural area. That made up a city. Listen, please, to Sefer HaChinuch, written by Rabbi Aaron of Barcelona, who explains the meaning of each of the 613 mitzvahs. He says as follows, all of these cities had to have an open area around the 
place where people were living, an open area for space and beauty for the city. And then beyond that, another band of land for the purpose of fields and vineyards. This too was for the beautification of the city and for what is essential to it. Now, let's think for a moment of the consequences of this requirement of city planning. Rabbi Dr. Aaron Levine makes the following points, which all come from Talmudic discussions and then codified in codes of Jewish law. Number one, this did not apply only to the 42 cities of the Levian, the Levites. It applied to all cities in Israel. Number two, what this did is it limited the growth of cities because the area that was open could not be rezoned. And the area beyond that for agriculture could not be rezoned. So that means that whatever the size of the city was, once the inner part of the donut filled, you couldn't just make the city bigger. You had to start a new city. The town fathers, writes Dr. Levine, did not have the right to rezone areas in order to extend their town, to promote development, even if this meant economic progress. Such progress had to be achieved through the establishment of new, similar, smaller cities. This would prevent the modern urban sprawl and provide, in addition to the preservation of open areas, scenic beauty, pure air, and so on, the communal benefits flowing from a closely knit society. Small town society is different than metropolitan society. Such a society would correct the environmental disturbances of the large urban unit with its lack of concern for the individual, the estrangement from society and its crime and violence and its pollution and deterioration and depletion of natural resources. Dr. Mayor Tamari writes as follows, Land is one of the most important of all economic resources and its intelligent allocation forms the basis of all healthy economies while its misuse often dooms societies to poverty and hunger. So these laws constitute important restraints on the economic development of society. And based on what we have discussed this evening, it's easy to see that these laws fit into a Jewish religious context because it all belongs to God. And we are stewards charged with protecting it.
So we have to make decisions about it that may limit our rights to it, to the world, to the earth, in order to protect it. It's necessary for the individual to restrain his or her consumption, and the same principle applies to society as a whole. And restraint must be reflected in the use and exploitation of scarce resources, such as land, oil, air, and water. Balance. Bereshis baro lakim. It belongs to God. V'chiv shua. We have the right to develop it and use it for our own benefit. As long as la'avda We're guarding it. We're protecting it. Baltashkis. But we're not wasting it because it doesn't belong to us. And there are limits on what we can do with it. Even if nobody else owns it. Even if we own it. Now, with this background, next week, we will begin studying perhaps the most comprehensive and certainly the most direct application of these values. And that is Shemitah, the sabbatical year. But I want to leave you tonight with this. Another medrash A comment written by our rabbis over a thousand years ago. This is in Medrash Tanchima. And this supposes a conversation between God and Noah, Noah, when he left the Teva, when he left the Ark, and he saw the destruction of the entire world caused by the flood. When Noah came out of the ark after the flood destroyed the world, it's not possible for us to imagine the devastation. To imagine the whole world destroyed? Our rabbis in the Medrash say, Noah began to cry. And he called out, God! How could you have done this? And God said, But Noah, I warned you. A hundred twenty years before the flood, I warned you it was coming. I warned you over and over again. I told you what was going to happen. And I told you what you had to do to avert it. And all you did, Noah, was build an ark to save yourself. Why didn't you act when you could have prevented this? And Noah just cried. Now, I'm not God. And I'm not even Noah. But I am telling you this. God directs the same warning to me and to you today.
God, what's going on? How did it get so bad? What are we going to do? And God says the same thing. God says, I warned you. I commanded you. I gave you the rules. I told you what to do to avert it. Why didn't you act? Why didn't I act? When you could have prevented this. I told you, if you mess this up, there is none to come along to fix it for you. Don't complain to me, God is saying to us right now. I warned you. I told you what to do to avert it. It's frightening. Let that sink in this week. And next week, let's start to see what the Shemitah institution is supposed to do for us. My friends, I thank you very, very much for joining tonight. I want to wish you a wonderful night and a great Shabbos, a beautiful rest of Sukkos. And let's start to pay more attention from a Torah point of view to heeding the warnings God has given us about how to treat and protect God's world. Thank you very much.